Hi, this is Stephen Christopher, CEO of Sequis Marketing Technologies, and you're listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Businesses. Act Local Marketing for Small Businesses, Episode 147. And there's no stopping us right now. I feel so close to you right now. Welcome to Act Local Marketing for Small Business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing, Act Local will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin features a new tip you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Welcome to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. This is episode 147, and I'm the boomer gal, Kaylin Amadia. Every week here at Act Local Marketing, I like to share a strategy of some sort with you that I call today's takeaway, where I will give you an action item that you could take with you today, and if you implement it, it is going to help you grow your business. And of course, there is always a guest expert to help you and me, quite frankly, with some aspect of your business. So today we're going to revisit a topic that I don't think we've actually hit in a few months, and that is sales. You know, if you don't have sales, you don't actually have a business, you have a hobby. So I have the author of Sales Management, excuse me, Sales Management for Dummies stopping by today, so you don't want to miss this. Okay, I found an interesting article at a website called salessuperstars.net. The article itself that I read is titled The Five-Step Consumer Buying Process. The Five-Step Consumer Buying Process. It identifies the five steps as, one, need recognition, recognition of need, two, research, three, comparisons, four is purchase, And five is post-purchase evaluation. So here's the interesting part that I want to share with you. The article says that this five-step process applies to not just major purchases, but even to the most minor purchase. And the article shares an example. So let's imagine that you're going to grab lunch. So step one, need recognition. You get hungry and you realize that you're going to struggle to do any more tasks today unless you get some food. Step two, research. You might ask your colleagues, your work associates, you know, if you're a student, the other people around you, you know, the other students, where are you going? Or you could just go out on your own and let your nose be your guide until something seems appetizing. Number three, comparisons. Step three is comparisons. So once you settle on a place, you'll carefully browse the selections on the menu, comparing flavor and satisfaction you'll get from each dish, along with the price that is charged for each selection. And ultimately, step four, purchase, you'll settle 
on something on that menu that you want to eat and you will make your purchase. Step five is the post-purchase evaluation. So in the afternoon, you'll think about whether your choice actually filled you up. Are you still not hungry? Was it satisfying to you? Or the next day you might decide it was so delicious that you want to go back again to order the same thing at lunchtime or to try another selection from the menu. Maybe it was difficult to make up your mind the first time. If you're really unfortunate, so here's a, a different side. What if it, it made you sick? It didn't, uh, didn't meet your belly too well and you end up uh, a little under the weather as a result. That too would influence you, right? So that's the five-step consumer buying process. Let's get to today's takeaway. Here is where I I promised you an action item that you could take with you now that's going to help you grow your business. So here it is. I want you to identify your best-selling product or service and your worst-selling product or service. Take each one through this five-step consumer buying process. Put yourself in the shoes of the consumer and analyze how the process is different for each of these products or services. So throughout the process, you have certain marketing materials likely and efforts in place that help consumers decide to purchase this particular product or service. Are your efforts meeting their needs, the consumer's needs at each step of the process? When a consumer identifies their need, are you finding ways to be in front of them with your product? When they do research for this need that they have, does your product or service that your product or service actually can fulfill, is it easy for them to find you when they're doing their research? Is the comparison of your product or service against your competitors holding up well? After purchase, do you have a system in place that provides them some sort of uh, post-purchase follow-up. Now, how does your best-selling product or service compare to your worst? Are you being equal in your systems and marketing approaches? What can you take from your best-selling product system and apply to your worst-selling product? If you evaluate all your products and services from the point of view of the buyer, there will definitely be things you can improve on to increase sales. You may even discover that some of your products or services aren't good enough to be on the menu. Drop me a line to ask at actlocalmarketing.com and I can help point you in the right direction, especially with the research and comparisons portion of the cycle because that is where a lot of your marketing tasks absolutely must shine. And that is today's takeaway. Please connect with me. Find me on Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus and follow me so that I can get to know you better. And please tell your social media followers about Act Local Marketing. Subscribe to this podcast and leave me a review in iTunes. Those reviews are very helpful for me in the marketing of this podcast in reaching more busy, I tend to work with baby boomers, busy boomer business owners like you listening because altogether, when we're doing things right, we can expand the economy by growing our businesses. It's time for a short break. But when we get back, my guest Butch Bella is here, and he's stepping to the front of the room. 
Stay tuned. Tax Local is the place where busy entrepreneurs like you gain more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives them the power to bring their business to the next level. Kaylin returns after a short break with more strategies and techniques to develop your inner warrior. We'll be right back. Local fans, this is Kaylin Amadio, and I have an exciting announcement. Today, October 7th, 2014, I'm launching a new podcast to celebrate the realization of a dream. You've heard me speak often on Act Local about the book I've been writing. Well, that book is becoming a reality. I have a contract to publish The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media. Soon, baby boomers everywhere will have all my strategies and guidelines in one swell book that'll help them build a map to social media success. To help promote The Boomer's Ultimate Guide to Social Media and subsequent books in this series, I've put together The Boomer's Ultimate Guide podcast, where boomers like me and like you can come together to learn, share, and grow a thriving business and a vibrant life. This podcast is 30 minutes in length and comes in both audio and video formats. I interview guest experts on business, finance, health, wellness, longevity, food, sex, dating, and more. You don't want to miss this next chapter in my life because I'm going to help you live yours more fully. Check out Boomer's Ultimate Guide Podcast. Welcome to Act Local, marketing for small business with your host, Kaylin Amadio. Kaylin helps smart, savvy, and motivated business owners like you kick it up a notch online, even if you've tried and been disappointed before, or technology just isn't your thing. Act Local will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. And now here's your host, digital media maven, Kaylin Amadio. Welcome back. This is Kaylin Amadio, and you are listening to Act Local Marketing for Small Business. And I have a new guest for you today. I want to introduce you to Butch Bella. He is the owner of a Dallas-based B2 training and development, where he works with salespeople and organizations to gain more appointments, win more business, and retain more of their customers. From his first corporate job at the age of 21, it took Butch only four years to be promoted to division sales manager. Then another just short five years to vice president of sales. At the age of 35, he and his business partner acquired controlling interest in the company he'd helped build from a $35 million local business to one of the largest wholesale food distributors in the nation with annual sales of nearly a quarter billion dollars. I'm doing my my best Dr. Evil impression right now. You can't see me. Nearly a quarter billion dollars. He has written two books, The 10 Essential Habits of Sales Superstars, Plugging into the Power of 10 and Sales Management for Dummies. Ooh, Sales Management for Dummies. John Wiley and Sons, which is coming out this fall. Is that right, Butch? It actually came out last month. So, yeah, we're right on time. Excellent. So, you can check that out at the bookstore. The bookstores love to carry those four dummies books. 
So uh, let's see, sales management for dummies. Butch Bella, how are you today? Thank you for coming on Act Local Marketing. I'm great, Kaylin. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm glad that you have time for us. I'm always thankful when uh, busy people, busy, successful people like you take the time to speak to me and my audience. We really appreciate it because we get so many gold nuggets from people like you. And clearly today... The topic is about uh, becoming a, a better salesperson because, let's face it, someone I was speaking to just yesterday, we were talking about entrepreneurs, and I reminded the audience that being an entrepreneur is great, but unless you have customers, you don't really have a business. You have a hobby. Right. So talking about sales, it, it, this is this is a good idea today to talk about yeah. sales because that's a really, really pivotal part of turning your business from from a hobby into an actual business. So I like to collect what I call entrepreneurial journeys when I meet someone for the first time. So I, okay. I give people a little bit of, of your bio, but uh, if you'd like to elaborate on how you came to be doing what it is uh, you're doing today, I would appreciate it. Well, I, uh, I was blessed to uh, grow up with parents who instilled in me uh, the belief, Kalen, that, that I could do anything. And um, I, I was always the center of attention. I was always the kid with a one-liner. I was voted wittiest in my senior high school class. I could have given a flip about being most handsome or most most athletic, not that I had a shot at either one of them. But I was always the, the guy that was at the front of the room and, and kind of the class clown, but not really a troublemaker, but more in a mischievous, fun way the guy that broke the ice, and really I, I fit in with, with every click, if you will. And my grandmother always said the boy's going to be a preacher or a politician. And I think salesperson kind of was just a combination <laughs> of the two. And it was it was interesting because at uh, my first sales job at uh, uh, 10 or 12 years old, I was selling grit newspapers. And I can remember getting comic books and a lot of the kids would look in the back for the x-ray glasses or this this that or the other thing they could order and i was looking back there for the money making opportunities and and that's where i you know i I was blown away by the fact that you mean i can i can buy grit newspapers for 50 cents and sell them for a dollar and i get to keep the other 50 cents Mm. Uh, I, i sold mason shoes door to door at 11 or 12 years old and so I was lucky enough to always, I guess, know what my lot in life was. And through my career in the wholesale distribution business and with my personality, in 1991, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas at a uh, comedy club on a Sunday night with my wife and another couple. And it just happened to be open mic night. And they, they all, you know, we're rolling our eyes looking at each other. And they said, well, you're funny as those guys. Why don't you go do that? And so then make a long story short, the next Sunday night, I was doing open mic night. And within about four months, I had a booking agent and was for 10 years toured some of the top clubs and colleges in the nation doing stand-up comedy professionally. Never did it for a living. It was always a side hobby, but it was one that the owner of our company and my mentor, who is my mentor to this day, he encouraged because he saw it as great public speaking and in uh, a way for me to uh, get past a lot of the fears that I think a lot of people have. And I ended up speaking at a lot of industry events, every company event I hosted and so forth. But the thing I tell people, Kellen, is that it turned out to be the best sales training 
I ever had, but I didn't realize it at the time. Only afterward, when I when I kind of quit doing it, did I realize what I was learning as far as voice inflection, uh, prospecting, because you're on the phone constantly with comedy clubs or you're going to be home on a Saturday night, uh, learning about scripting, because I would do that that night that, that I had to go up and do amateur night, open mic night the, the following Sunday, I had five minutes and it took me all week to do, you know, write five minutes of material. Yeah. I would say, okay, this has got to be five minutes. And I would go test it and it was 43 seconds or something, you know, and that seems like forever. And by the time I, I really quit or retired, whatever you want to call it in, in 2001, I was doing an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes. Really? Oh, with my eyes closed. And every single word was scripted. Hmm. And the thing that I tell people is you will go to a comedy club and I'm not, I'm not divulging any magician's tricks here or, or, or letting anybody look behind the curtain. The, the entire trick to a comedian being successful is for the crowd to think, Oh man, he is so quick. He just thought of that line. Gosh, he is so fast. He is so quick. No, I've been doing that same line for 46 nights in a row, and I'm going to do it in Des Moines tomorrow night, you know. And But you had to make them, you had to sell them on the fact that that came to you just then. And so I learned the value of scripting and how I could use my voice to take people on a mental ride and win them over. And it just dovetailed beautifully with sales. So after I left that particular company, sold my interest in that company, I formed my own training and development company where now I get to use those skills to speak and train and coach other salespeople. Really interesting. You know, I had a business coach once who insisted that when people got to a certain level that she she wanted them to go take an improv class. Great experience. So I'm thinking that this is very similar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because here, here's the thing. When you're selling, you, you have to, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want people to perceive sales as something you do to someone. It is something you do for someone. I can never sell somebody something that they don't actually want. And here's, here's the, what I will tell you. We, we get hung up in sales a lot of times. A lot of your listeners that are business owners, they, they'll hear a lot of people and they'll pick up enough on sales to say, we've got to do a needs analysis. We've got to do a needs analysis. What do our customers need? Friends, I've got news for you. People don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. Right, right. And so you have to convert those needs to wants. And you do that through good voice inflection, through acting, through playing a role and presenting a scenario that your customer or your prospective customer can see themselves enjoying what is it, whatever it is you do or you provide. You know, I think a lot of people are resistant to the whole scripting idea, sure. especially people who, who don't feel that it'll make them, you know, I tend to be an extemporaneous speaker, but but when I'm actually going to do a presentation of some sort, I do sort of write it out ahead of time, and I practice it several times before I ever get in a room, whether it's teaching a class, right, or seminar, absolutely, or any kind of pitch. I do practice it so I have a sense of the rhythm, the amount of time it's going to take me, which stories work and which stories don't work, and that that's a little bit, I guess, what you're talking about. And some people I know don't like the idea of what you're calling scripting, 
but like you said with with the comedy clubs you get those certain lines down i guess and and you know what works and what doesn't work with certain audiences because it might not always be the same Absolutely. depending on the kind of person you're talking to right and that's those lines just start to come out naturally the more you practice them they don't it, they don't necessarily have to sound well here's the thing don't confuse scripting with canned right because as i tell everybody i want it planned not canned. Right. I want to script it in a way that I know what I'm going to say. For example, I, if someone to, you know, when I talk to someone and uh, they, they've got an objection or something and, and, and I will um, uh, pause and um, stumble a little bit and uh, search for a word. Now I knew exactly what I was going to say right then. But my voice inflection, my speech pattern, the tonality, and the fact that I played a little bit of a role that I, w I was not so rehearsed that it just came out like I was reading the phone book to someone. Mm -hmm. Here's the issue with sales. You should never, ever, ever, ever go into any situation thinking, well, man, I hope they don't say this. You know. Uh, I don't have time or I can't afford it or uh, this, that, or the other. If you know they're going to say it, you got to know how to overcome it. Mm -hmm. the, and it's just like uh, roles on stage in a play. You know what they're going to say. You better know what you're going to say. And when I say scripted, if someone is, uh, if you constantly have an objection to someone that says, uh, I, well, I don't think I need your whatever it is you sell. You better have a way to overcome it. Write it out. Make sure you have great wording. Make sure you have a compelling uh, argument as to why they do need it, how other people have seen the same thing, used it, how they're enjoying it, and then use your, your natural ability to deliver that when the time comes in a way that, that you can uh, pull that, that, that prospect in and let them know you know, I, I know exactly how you feel. I've got clients that have said the exact same thing. But, Mr. Prospect, let me tell you, what we're looking at is less than 50 cents a day. And I know that money's not going to be an issue for you. So it's really an issue if you want to make that move forward. And I think together we can do that, don't you? And it's all, it's I, like I said, I knew just what I was going to say just then, but it's all in how you sell it at the time and the place. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, let me ask you another question. Okay. Let's say we have some, we have a staff and we've got some good salespeople and maybe we even have some great salespeople. Okay. But how can I turn them into superstars? Practice, 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 practice. Everything a salesperson does is a learned skill. Um, uh, and and I, I've said this uh, many, many times that when I speak, when I train, um, it, it kills me sometimes to hear people say, well, I can't get any other job. I guess I'll go be a salesman. Really? I, I can't show up at the firehouse Monday and go to work, you know, put on a helmet and a, a coat and grab a hose. I mean, I'll go to jail. Yeah. So what makes them think they can walk into what we do? So don't think just because somebody has a business card that says salesman. Yeah, I can buy a business card that says anything. But unless they have the skill sets that it takes to be a professional salesperson, that's what you're looking for. And it, it takes a training regiment of, you know, as we say, loading their lips, giving them that scripted 
way to overcome an objection that you know works. Work with them on their tonality, their pacing. When it comes to using their voice, the greatest example I give people is to watch A Few Good Men with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And the you can't handle the truth right. line. Right. Now, Kaylin, when we watch that, even watching it in the theaters, one thing, but even watching it at home, I mean, you can feel that in your bones. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing I tell people. You know, when Jack Nicholson read that script, and I'll, I'll do almost a kind of a Rush Limbaugh, David Letterman deal with a piece of paper here. <laughs> uh, when, when he got that script, it said, you can't handle the truth. Because they were just words on a page. Mm -hmm. But that's not how he delivered them. So when you take your great salespeople or when you take your good salespeople and make them great, it's all about practicing the skill set that they need to be better. And they may be really, really good at one part, but they could get better at another. And if you keep asking them to, to stretch and get outside their comfort zone, you know, the first thing I tell people when I coach them, guess what? When you get outside your comfort zone, you're going to get uncomfortable. That's why it's called a comfort zone. Right. But that's also called growth. Mm -hmm. The first day Arnold Schwarzenegger walked into a gym, his muscles didn't look like that. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And there was a lot of pain in the process of getting there because to build muscles, you break them down and then they rebuild themselves stronger. Sales is the exact same thing. You have to, you have to get in there and break it down to make it better. Interesting. And, and and imagine the confidence that becomes instilled in yourself or an employee as they begin to really get mastery of some of these techniques, uh, I would imagine. Then it, it becomes it, even easier. And, 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 you know, it's so satisfying to me when I see that light bulb go on for someone or, or they accomplish or they do something they thought they could not do before. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you could do it. You just had to learn how to do it. I mean, the first day that a dentist shows up at school, he doesn't know how to do a root canal. You have to learn these things. Right. But but the, the thing that I'll tell you, and I'm going to get off on a tangent just a little bit, and, and, and I, I think this is kind of maybe a long roundabout way to answer your question. To me, there are three basic parts to a, a, a sales superstar. There's product knowledge. So whatever you're selling, be it a tangible product, an intangible service, from automobiles to, to insurance to whatever it may be, crafts, I don't know, whatever it is. You have to know your product and how it benefits the customer. So you've got product knowledge in one quadrant. You've got sales skills in another. Both of those are learned. Nobody walks into the first day of any industry knowing the product knowledge. Nobody walks in the first day of sales having all their sales skills. But here's the base of what every great salesperson is built on. And, and I've got a whole DVD series on it at my website, and I'm not here to plug that, but I'm just, I, I, I believe that strongly in it. And I call it game. And you hear people say, boy, he's got game, or she's got game, or he's really on his game, or boy, her game is rocking. Kaylin, here's what game stands for. Goals, attitude, motivation, and education. If you will give me someone who has goals, who has a great attitude, who is motivated and loves to educate themselves, I can make them a superstar. However, you think back to in your life having dealt with people at, uh, you know, a, a, a cell phone provider, maybe an automobile service, whatever the case may be, you have run into people in your life who had all the product knowledge 
they were a phenomenal salesperson, yet they had no goals. Their attitude was horrible. They were unmotivated, and they thought they knew everything. They didn't want to continually educate themselves. Right. They're a failure. I promise you there's nothing I or anybody else can do for them. So you've got to have that base. If you have that base, and, and you, that has they have to bring that to the table themselves. If they've got that, we could make them a superstar. Interesting. Now, you, you know, there are a lot of people that would say you, you're either born a salesman or you're not, <laughs> right? Some people right. just sort of have that gene sure. Sure. where uh, I don't know whether they're extroverts or they're social or, you know, they have no fear. I, I don't know what it is because people who say that they're not salespeople tend to be introverted or they're a little afraid or they don't want to be told no or, you know, there's a lot of things that you hear. Sure. Would you say that's generally the case or no? Oh, I think that's I think that that's a public perception. But I love what Zig Ziglar used to say: is he's never opened the newspaper and saw where Mister. Mrs. Smith gave birth to a seven pound eight ounce salesman, you know. And so, <laughs> I, again, everything a salesperson does is learned. Right. Uh, people don't want to deal with rejection. Well, guess what? Uh, any male that is listening to this that ever asked a female out has dealt with rejection. <laughs> I guarantee you, you did not marry the first girl you ever asked out. Uh, we deal with rejection every day, but we think when we're trying, again, this goes back to the people's perception that sales is something that you do to someone rather than for someone. And once they grasp the fact that all a great salesperson is doing, is taking someone from one part of this cavern where they've got this pain point and helping them solve that problem, then people see you as the expert that they want to do business with. Right. Uh, a, a, a brief side story. In, in May of 2009, I had triple bypass heart surgery at 43 years old. Now, I got lucky. I didn't have a heart attack. I caught it before it caught me. But on May 18th of 2009, if you would have said, Butch, how would you like triple bypass heart surgery? We've actually got it on sale this week. You know, <laughs> I would have told you I don't want it. I don't need it. I can't afford it. You know, I would have, I would have rejected everything. But then when my surgeon showed me that I had a 70, 280s, and a 90% blockage, Kaylin, I changed my tune. Right. I'm all in. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not only did I, you know, need it and everything, I found a way to afford it. I wanted an expert doing it. Now, here's the interesting part. Think about this. The only thing that changed was the information available to me. In that 24-hour period, my heart didn't get better or worse, and my finances didn't get better. Nothing changed but the information available to me. And every one of your listeners, no matter what business they're in, they have customers or potential customers who are walking around like a ticking time bomb with whatever their blockage is like I was, but they need you to be the expert to show them how you can solve that problem. Mm. And once you do, people will gladly hire you to do your thing. Right. And those who won't aren't interested and aren't ready exactly yeah. and guess what some will some won't so what that's yeah. you know 
and 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 if 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 I they had run all those tests on me and and I was clean as a whistle and didn't need it, I wouldn't have got it. But again, that goes back to need versus want. I needed that heart surgery probably six months beforehand. I didn't get it until I wanted it, <laughs> and they showed me that I had a need that I wanted to fix. Right. And right. if you will look at your business that way of. What do you solve for your customers? What can you do in your local market to make a difference? And the question you have to ask yourself is, if if you don't do that for someone, what are they missing? Because if you're adding value and someone doesn't have what you offer, then they are missing something. And it's up to you to help them put those two together where they're not missing out anymore. Okay. I got it. Now, you you had mentioned your your game theory, the, right. the acronym, and G was for goals. Correct. Now, I think it was Peter Drucker who said you can't you can't change what you don't measure or something. You can or manage you what you can measure, absolutely. Right, you can manage what you right. measure, something along those lines. So, <clears throat> I've met sales trainers who uh, for me, it feels bo- I get bogged down and keep track of this and keep track of that and, you know, all these charts and goals and every week right. and write it down and, bleh, you know, it, it, it got so cumbersome. I didn't even want to have goals, you know, or keep track of goals. Tell us, give us a little insight about, you know, the best way to handle these things. Clearly, you have to have goals so you know if you're accomplishing you know, what it is you want to accomplish. But, you know, how far do we take this whole measurement thing? Well, let me turn around. I know you're interviewing me, but let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you have a to-do list today? I have a to-do list every day. Okay. You have, when you go to the grocery store, you got a grocery list? I don't. No? No, I don't make a grocery list. Okay. You're, the, you're, you're, I'm an anomaly, you maybe. Yeah, you're, you're on your own there. Because here's what I tell people. If you cannot remember what you've got to do today or whether to bring home milk, how are you going to remember what you want to do with your life? All your goals are is your to accomplish list. That's all I want you to think of goals as is what do I want to accomplish in my life? And the old saying goes, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Yeah. And what we tend to do is that we, we, we start off on this journey in a business or in, in whatever we're doing. And we just take off running. And the, if you're going the wrong way, running faster is not going to help. Mm. running harder is not going to help. Yeah, good point. So as you set goals, I I always talk about what I call mile markers because it can be, as you said, a little bit overwhelming. Goals can be discouraging. Um, After my heart surgery, I lost about 50 pounds, and um, I'm I'm still trying to lose more now. But um, if I would have said, okay, I got to lose 50 pounds, I can't lose 50 pounds today. Yeah. But I can make a small change, and guess what? I can check at the end of the week. So, okay, I've made a little bit of a difference. Because here's the thing is if you set a, a goal on January 1st to do something by December 31st, that's 365 days that you're going to wake up and have not accomplished that goal. Mm-hmm. So you need mile markers. Where should you be February 1st? Where should you be at the end of the first quarter? Where should you be June 1st? You know, at what point is the 50% mark going to take over? When should I be 75? Because you need to celebrate those victories. When you start to run, after my heart surgery, I ran my first 5K 190 days after surgery. Wow. Uh, Since then, I've run probably 100 5Ks, a handful of 10Ks, and two half marathons. Wow. 
but I've never run a marathon. Now I, I, I will one day. I haven't yet. But a marathon runner, when they when that starting gun fires, they are not looking at mile twenty six point two. Right. All they're looking at. Let me get to mile one. And then let me get to mile two. You cannot sit down to write a book. People say, oh, how did you write your book? Well, I didn't. I wrote one word, one sentence at a time. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you've got to break it down into bite-sized chunks. So, so Because you're exactly right, Kaylin. It can get overwhelming. Don't write down 50 goals and, and try to look at them every day. Write down three or four things you'd like to accomplish in the next year. And, yes, I'm one of those people that believes in putting them where you can read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a, a, a coaching client the other day said, you really want me to stick them on my bathroom mirror? And I said, yep. Because, you know, <laughs> Richard Branson does it. Oprah Winfrey does it. And I promise you their bathrooms are bigger than my house. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to take their word for it and go with their idea. So, yeah. But, yes, you're, you're exactly right. If you try to see it, the whole thing. It's so overwhelming. The old saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's I, how, lo- I love yeah. that phrase. I've said yeah. that to my children. Exactly. Sometimes and that's, they look at me with that sort of blank stare. <laughs> Why would I eat an elephant? I'm like, okay, you're missing the point here, son. But that's how you tackle a big goal. And and I and I want people to stretch. Set big, bold goals. You know, make, make yourself stretch to accomplish something. But then set the mile markers to where you can reward yourself and enjoy the journey. Right. And, and the other thing that I would want to remind people of, and this is something that I learned from Jack Canfield, is that he has that analogy where he says you can drive from the East Coast to the West Coast at night without any lights on, just by the 100 feet in front of you that the headlights of your car illuminate. Right. Now, you might not go straight from point A to point B, but you always have the opportunity to course correct right. along the way. And that's important to remember because some people get discouraged if they're not exactly, you know, on track getting from A to B. And the other thing that I would remind people is that just because you've set that goal now, you know, life changes and things change and stuff happens and it's okay for that goal to turn into something else. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, when I speak, I tell people don't that you're going to run into detours um, but don't let it become a derail. A detour too many times in life becomes a derail because at the first sign of first, the first sign of, of something pop up, well, I guess it's not meant to be for me. No, uh, the great Dr. Randy Pausch, uh, from the last lecture had a great saying that I, I love and I, I, I instill it in everybody I try to work with. And that is that the brick walls are not there to keep you out. They're there to keep the people out that don't want it as bad as you. Mm. So don't let a detour become a derail. Yeah, that's very good. Well, this this has been not only inspiring, but it's been very helpful in terms of realizing that you need, A, you need a strategy for for your sales. Otherwise, you're not going to get any. But also for people who I think are a little bit afraid of being the salesperson in their business or being called a salesperson right. because there's those negative <laughs> It's still a dirty word to some yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, well, whenever there's a, a bad stereotype of any kind, anywhere, you know, it paints it paints with a, that terrible brush, you know, everyone else who who has the same moniker or title or, or whatever. So we've all run into bad salespeople or 
slimy salespeople or sleazy salespeople. But that doesn't mean that you can avoid sales in your business. You absolutely can't. And when you think about it, just about every you you mentioned dating. You know, you didn't marry the the first girl you ever asked out. You got told no before. Just about everything that we participate in as we go throughout our day, we are doing sales on our own behalf or whatever it is we're trying to accomplish. Well, you just talked about telling your kids how to eat an elephant and you eat them with one bite. You always, you're selling your kids on doing their homework. Yeah. You're selling oh. your kids on acting correctly in public on, you know, what, you know, getting good grades on. All kinds uh, of stuff. Exactly. You know, wives are selling their husband on the reason they need this, or husbands are selling the wives on why they want to go play golf, or we're all selling all the time. Yeah. It, and, and I, with again, your employees, with absolutely. your employer, you're always, you know, you're making your argument, you're laying out your case, you're you're convincing someone to but do you it know, your way or think your way. Yeah, Kaylin, for your for your audience too, for your listeners, they a lot of times are having to sell their banker, some venture capitalists, some suppliers, uh, some partners. You know, when you work in small business. You're not only selling to your customer, you're selling the people behind the counter as much as you are the people in front of the counter. Right, right. And those same skills apply. When you sit down at the bank or the Small Business Administration, you're going to put on the exact same sales presentation and use the same skills you would in selling a customer a product. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Butch, this has been fascinating. If if people want to get some personalized in i mean they can always go buy your book sales sure. management for dummies which is terrific but sometimes reading a book is not enough for right. someone they want they want their hand held a little bit more they want a little a little more personal uh interaction is there a website or someplace that they can contact you and get absolutely more of you? you can uh my website is butchbella.com b-u-t-c-h-b-e-l-l-a-h.com uh, you can email me at butch at butchbella.com. And just for your listeners, if they will go to butchbella.com slash act local, uh, they can get a free copy of my first book, The Ten Essential Habits of Sales Superstars. And they can just uh, download it there. And it was uh, uh, an eight-year labor of love. And it is uh, a great little handbook that has got some nuggets in it for everyone just as a, a free gift to them. Uh, I'm on Twitter at sales power tips. Uh, and, and again, they can reach out to me through email and I would love to talk to them. Excellent. And for those of you listening, as I tell you every week, when you're listening to the podcast, if for some reason you weren't able to write any of that down, you know, there are no worries here at act local marketing. You can always come back to the website, ActLocalMarketing.com, and put in the search bar, probably the word, but I don't think I've ever had another guest named Bush. So if you just, <laughs> Put Butch in the search bar. You will find this particular episode, or you can put in sales. Um, some, you know, some of the keywords that would make this particular episode pop up, and we'll include those links so that if you had no opportunity to write it down, no worries. You can always come back to the website and get those links because we want you to have that information. Uh, butchbella.com, B-U-T-C-H, 
B-E-L-L-A-H.com, as well as Butch's uh, email address. And, of course, that freebie. He's giving you uh, a copy of his first book, The 10 Essential Habits of Sales Superstars, which is very kind of you. I appreciate it very much. Well, it's my pleasure. I love your show, and and I I, I love the fact that people are doing things for small businesses. And and, and too many times in this country, all we hear about is people saying, oh, the the failure rate for small businesses is 87%, yada, 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 yada. Well, guess what? It's just like overcoming that objection. If there's a problem, let's solve it. Let's do something about it. And it's shows like yours that are doing that. And and so thank you for what you're doing for the businesses of, of, of every community. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate your time. Those of you listening, remember every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern time, we release a new episode of Act Local Marketing for small business uh, at actlocalmarketing.com. And of course, on iTunes and Stitcher. And we bring you great guests like Butch Bella of the Dallas-based B2 Training and Development. So until next time, I would very much like you to take care. Join Kaylin for more marketing madness each week on Act Local Marketing. It will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Act Local Marketing for Small Business goes live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and at actlocalmarketing.com. Have a question for Act Local? Email Kaylin at ask at actlocalmarketing.com. That's A-S-K at actlocalmarketing.com. And she may answer you right on air. Make sure to include your name and business website for a free shout out. Don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about Act Local and leave Kaylin a review at the iTunes store. See you next time on Act Local Marketing for Small Business.